Good day at Dorisville. Real good day at Dorisville. It's days like today that I'm just so glad I'm a part of this church. You know, thank you for our worship team and thank you for Jenny and his song. Thank you, Dave, for that choosing that song. All is well. Little Emma, Matt, Bethany. It's a good day at Dorisville. You know, we've been, and, and, and I told Judy, I, it's just a peaceful feeling. And that just fits right in with what I've been sharing this month. And we will continue. We'll, we'll have part of that Christmas Eve and next Sunday morning. But we built this series around that song, uh, Do You Hear What I Hear? And I, I shared the first week how that that song uh, was written in 1962 at another time when the world just seemed crazy. Fidel Castro was down in Cuba and the dude in Russia and, and John F. Kennedy and they were at each other. Our countries were. And we were just that close to nuclear war. That close. I was eight and some of y'all were, a lot of y'all weren't born yet. But you'd be surprised the number of people my age who know they were young, like five or six years old, remember that fear. Practicing at school to get under your desk in case the missile came. It's a real troubling time. And they wrote that song. That song was about, about peace coming. Now, pray for peace. And, and, and it was about Christ. It was about the baby. I'll read one of the verses that we're going to talk about today in just a moment. And now we find ourselves, you know, 40 years later, 45 years later, and, and here we are in a troubled world. You know, ISIS is doing what it's doing in this world, and it comes home to places like San Bernardino, California, to the City of Lights, Paris. Our country, it seems, is walking away quicker than ever, away from the one hope, and that is God. We don't understand the politicians. We don't understand what they're doing. They seem to do everything they can to make wrong decisions, at least in the eyes of those of us who might call ourselves Christians. It's kind of a scary world. And that's why this message today is so good. And it's, it's some people who were really outcasts. The, the scripture today is Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 18. And we'll see how we do this. I don't know how it's all going to work out. In Luke chapter 2, it's a story of these people um, that were outcast, and we'll talk just a little bit more about that. But their world was crazy. It wasn't ISIS, it was the Roman government, but they lived under great oppression. And every night they went to bed wondering if crazy Herod, who worked for the Romans, or the Romans themselves would knock on their door and they would disappear in the night. They wondered about how their kids would grow up. How will Emma grow up? What world will Emma grow up in? And, and this light, dark thing where Matt and Bethany serve, you know, how is that battle going to play out? Well, the good news, God is sovereign. And he does know exactly what he's doing. Let me just put that up front. He knows exactly what he is doing. This, this verse that we want to share 
uh, this morning from Luke chapter 2. I'd, I'd like to take a time, I think it's worthwhile, even though you probably know it by heart. By the way, I couldn't find my preaching Bible this morning, so the Bible I'm holding belonged to my father. We gave it to him as a Father's Day gift in 1973, and my brother and I did, and he died the next year. And uh, how cool is it that I'm holding that very Bible in my hands this morning? But here's that verse that you know, verses that you know, but let me read them to you. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so very much already for what you have done today. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of this special service. And uh, Father, we want to pray now that you will speak to our hearts again through your word. I pray, Father, um, that your Holy Spirit, well, I sense he has charged the atmosphere. I sense there is a presence of God in this place. And now... God, would you guard our hearts that nothing would steal what you have given us right now. Holy Spirit, I, I believe you are the one. Uh, you act as on behalf of the Father, drawing men to the Son, to the Savior. And, and I'm asking that you would draw people to you. And would you draw those who follow you already closer to you? May we leave this place knowing we have encountered you and also knowing that you have spoken to us. And may we leave this place determined, uh, as Brother Matt said, double down to do what you call us to do. And Jesus, I want to pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, that verse I told you in the song is this. Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy, Do you hear what I hear ringing through the sky, shepherd boy? Do you hear what I hear? A song, a song high above the trees with a voice as big as the sea, with a voice as big as the sea. The message of Christmas, 
The message of rescue, the message of redemption, the message that God has shouted down through the millennia beginning in the garden when we did fall is a big song. It's the greatest song in the world. It's the greatest message in the world. And amazingly, just like God chose a poor 14 or 15-year-old virgin girl to serve as the incubator for the Redeemer of the world, for the Savior of the world, just like he chose Mary, he now chooses a very unique, a very special group of people to be the first hearers of that message and the first sharers of that message. You heard it. The Bible says... In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields, keeping watch at night over their flock. Now, you really need to understand about shepherds. Back when, you know, remember King David back in the old days? You know, David, like the king of Israel. If you remember right, he was a shepherd boy before he became the king. You remember that? And back in those days of David, shepherding was a very honored family occupation. There would be generations of shepherds, and they were respected by the people for many of their characteristics and traits. Not so by the time Luke writes this. By the time Luke writes this, the culture really, but but this particular group of people had become outcast. They were, they were, you remember the song, I think it's a share song, tell me if it's not later on, you know, Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. Well, that was the shepherds. They were outcasts. They, they spent so much time on the mountains, so they were never clean enough to go to the temple. I don't mean physically, but spiritually. They could keep none of the rituals. So they were outcasts of the temple. They were looked down upon society. And frankly, some of it was well-deserved because just like the gypsies, they had a bad reputation just like the Roma that we saw in Bulgaria in 02, they had such a bad reputation that they really were thieves. You had to lock your car when the shepherds were around. You had to set the alarm at your house when shepherds were around. They were thieves. They were outcast. They were broken. Probably no wonder then, huh? When you remember when you were growing up and you got the shepherd's part in the Christmas play? You borrowed your daddy's bathrobe and you got the towel on your head and they wrapped a rag around your head. Easy costume. Mom and dads loved it. But you remember that? You know what? Here's what we don't get. At one time, no, 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 no. We are the shepherds. Just like they were broken, we are broken. That's what makes them so perfect for the role that they play. God didn't choose uh, Herod because that would not have worked. God did not choose the priest in the temple for that would not have worked. God didn't choose the richest person in town for that would not have worked because the Savior was coming to seek and to save that which was lost. So it appears God found the lostest people he could find and that was a bunch of shepherds on a hillside. And chose to use them. And we're them. We are them. We are broken. In fact, I found this this morning with John Piper. I went, oh my, I had to go tell Judy. It's one of those times I had to go tell Judy how good this was. John Piper said something similar to this. 
He said, the problem is not that we're in the doghouse with God. The problem was not that we're in the doghouse with God. We were in the morgue. It wasn't just that God was somehow mad at us, that we had sinned and we had offended God. It was bigger than that. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1, that we are dead. We were dead in trespasses and sin. And so important, he says it again in verse number 5. But you who are dead in trespasses and sin. We were spiritually dead. We were separated from God. Listen, on your best day, on your best day, on your be- when you did it all right, when you kept the rules, when you came to church, when, when you gave money, when you did it all right, on our own, we're totally depraved and separated from God. And God, you know, the shepherds would have had few hang-ups with that. They just said, yep, that's me. You've got the right guy. God chose them to share the first message about the gospel. And chose them to share that news with those around. Isn't that just amazing? Now listen, we wrestle with this. Let me tell you two important truths. If you're here today, and perhaps you're here because it's the Sunday before Christmas, perhaps you're here because someone promised to buy your lunch, always a good deal, I might add. Okay? Whether, whatever reason why you're here, let me share this with you. You've got to understand you're broken. If you have any hope of encountering God, if you have any hope of heaven, if you have any hope of experiencing God's grace, it begins with the, the, the lightning flash in your mind, the sky open up and going, I'm broken. I am a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who seeks after God. That's us. Not some of us. Not not only you who are here today with a sin list two miles long, it's you who've been in church all your life and you've got the pins to show that you've been a perfect attender for years. All of us were broken. All of us need a rescuer. So if you're here today and you've never heard this wondrous truth that I'm going to be sharing with you today about this tree and really about that tree, then you understand the biggest, the biggest truth you need to realize is that, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, I need a Savior because I'm broken. I'm broken. Now here's the second truth. I want you all to look at me dead in the eye. If you're here today and you've been a Christian long enough to think you're pretty good. If you've been a Christian long enough and done enough church stuff for you to begin thinking that, you know what? I wasn't too bad. If you ever forget how broken you are and were, it is doubtful that you'll ever do anything great for God. It is doubtful. Oh, you'll come to church and you'll write your check and and you will do that thing. But the ones that God uses the greatest are the people who never forget, I was broken and He fixed me. I was broken. I was dead and He resurrected me. Those are the people that end up being used greatly by God. But when we start forgetting our brokenness, when we start forgetting what that tree and that tree was all about, when we start thinking how well we keep the rules and how much better we are than the person sitting next to you, 
mark it down. You'll be religious, but you'll still be so carnal and hardened that you can never be used by God. So these broken people, these shepherds, these these sinners were out doing their shepherd thing. The Bible says that they were staying in the fields, keeping watch all night at night over their flocks. Now, before we move on, and very quickly, in case you're, you, you want just a little freebie, and this is outside the context, but if you're, if you're a regular church attender particularly, and you, you something to think about after lunch. You know, there's really a lesson here for us Christ followers too. Look what it says there. In the same region, they were keeping watch. They were staying in the fields and keeping watch. Write these three things down. And that, it's not part of the sermon. It's free. It's free. One, if you're going to be used by God, you've got to be in close proximity, proximity where God is working. In the same region. If you want to be used by God, you've got to be willing to be in the close proximity of where God is working. That may be halfway around the world. It may be the old gym up on top of the hill. I don't know. But we need to be in the same region. And we need to be found faithful. They were staying out in the field. They were faithful. And they were keeping watch at night. They were available. You know what? You know what the shepherds offered? That the local uh, doctor could not that night? The local doctor was home asleep, as were the priest, as was King Herod, as was the Roman officials. Guess who was awake? Guess who was available? The shepherds. So just follow that away. Chew on that after lunch. Make sure you don't forget that you've got to stay in proximity of God. You've got to be faithful and you've got to be available. And again, those are the kind of Christ followers that God uses. So anyway, so the Bible says in verse number 9. So then in that setting, they're out on the field. It's dark. Things are quiet. They're doing their shepherd thing. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were terrified. You can well imagine. All of a sudden, there's a brilliant light and there's an angelic being before you. And the Bible says, the glory of the Lord. No, we don't get this. We don't understand this. The glory of the Lord is a magnificent thing. Isaiah kind of got a picture of it. In Isaiah chapter 6, listen to these words real quick. In the year that King Uzziah died, this is the Old Testament. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Seated on a high and lofty throne, and his robe filled the temple. Seraphim, angelic beings, seraphim were standing above him. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorways shook at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. Let me tell you something. When you come into the presence of God, something's going to happen. See, the problem in too many churches is we don't come into the presence of God. 
We sit there worried about what time we're going to get out of church or if the too hot or too cold or too loud or too soft. We're worried about other things. But I'm telling you, when we make it our point, God, I don't care what else happens in anybody else's life, but God, I want you to know something. In my life today, I want to come into the glory of God. And when you come into the glory of God, things happen. I'm just telling you. Some of you wonder, some of you are sitting here today if you're not asleep. Some of you are saying today, I don't even know why I do this. I don't know why I come. Friend, honey, listen. Come on into the presence of God and you'll know why you got up. Because you may need to be redeemed. You may need to be rescued. You may need to be resurrected. I don't know. But when we surrender to God and are obedient to Him, something's bound to happen. Now, in the case of these lost shepherds, they were terrified. They were terrified. See, that's another thing. Sometimes when you go to church, you know, if you're here today and it's the first time and you feel that uncomfortableness, you're not used to a short, stocky guy hollering at you anyway. Notice I use the word stocky. That's politically correctness for slightly overweight. Okay, a lot overweight. We've got to have our PC here, our diet PC. So you may be saying, I'm real uncomfortable with this. Well, when you come and experience what you heard on the call and, and all is well and a little child reciting more scripture than most of us ever could, you may be feeling just a little bit of discomfort. The shepherds did. The Bible says they were terrified. Isaiah did. Listen to what Isaiah said. When the door started shaking and the smoke was there and these, and these animals, these angels were flying around, these angelic beings. Here's what happened to Isaiah. Listen. This is Isaiah 6, 5. Then I said, woe is me. <laughs> some of us need to say, woe is me. Say, say, woe is me. <laughs> so, some of us need to say, woe is me. Woe is me. For I am ruined. <laughs> I'm broken. I'm broken. Because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And because... My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When these broken shepherds came into the presence of God, they were terrified, and rightfully so. There's nothing like a little bit of the glory of God to shake up even the deadest Baptist. There's nothing like the glory of God to shake up our world just a little bit. And these guys were terrified. Now, the question becomes, what is the response going to be? What is this angel going to say? Are they there to say, you are a sinner, you're broken, you're condemned, God could never use you? That's the message of the church sometimes. You know, when sinners do come, like we're not, by the way, amen? When people come to church who are obviously very broken, we cross our arms and say, what is he doing here? He's here because this is a hospital. And this is where God heals people. This is where dead people come and God does resurrections. This is where afraid people come and they find peace. That's why. So what's the response going to be? The angel said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know, starting in the garden, in the, in, of the garden, and in the beginning, when, when Adam and Eve chose to sin against God, the Bible says God came looking for them. He knew where they were. He just wanted them to know where they were. And the Bible says, where are you? And he goes, we're in the bushes. Why are you in the bushes? Well, we're afraid. From the very beginning of sin, there became a chasm that led to fear of God. Fear of God. 
with Calvary's cross, with, with this tree, with the beginning of that tree, and then this tree where Jesus died for the sins of the world, where broken people can receive grace. With this, the time for running was over. The time of hiding in a bush from God is over. Not because we got better, but because God loved us and sent His Son and gave us His grace. Don't be afraid. I proclaim to you, I tell you good news. And I bet you know how that translates. I bring you the gospel. The gospel. And, and the gospel is good news. And the gospel, the result of the gospel, a good news of great joy. Great joy. The, the, the good news of Christmas is not fear. Even in a world of ISIS, in a world of a shaky economy, in a world where we don't understand what happens in Washington or Springfield, or sometimes City Hall. <laughs> you, you probably don't understand what happens here sometimes. The bottom line is this, guys. Don't be afraid. The gospel message is good news. It's joy. It's joy. He says, and it's going to be a joy that will be to all people, initially to the Jews, but to the world, today. A Savior who is Messiah the Lord, was born for you in the city of David, a Savior. A Savior. If you, if you today are drowning, if you, if you say, Dwayne, here's how I describe my life right now. Dwayne, I feel like I'm drowning. Then you understand there's a rescuer. If when I read from the God's word and, or quoted it from Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1 where the Bible says you are dead in trespasses and sin and you really don't understand the full ramifications of that but you get it. Dwayne, that's exactly how I feel when it comes to my relationship with God. I feel dead. And the reason you feel that way about your relationship with God is because you don't have one. Because you're dead. But if you can see yourself as spiritually dead, the Savior is a resurrector. A resurrector. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you see yourself in bondage. You see yourself, you can flash back to those horrible days of 1850 and 60 here in this country when men and women were sold like pieces of property. And you say, I feel like bondage. Then I got good news. The Savior is a Redeemer. To buy you off the slave box of sin and bondage and to set you free. So regardless how the picture paints out for you, He's a resurrector. He is a redeemer. He is everything that God planned for our salvation. For unto you today is born a Savior who is the Messiah, the promised one, who for millennia, the Bible shouts, He's coming, He's coming, He's coming, He's coming. And when that tree went up, and I know that's a secular thing, but when that tree went up, when the first Christmas morning, the message changed from He's coming to He is here. He is here. I have good news. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord is born. Luke loved that word Lord. He used it all the time in His gospel. And it points directly to the deity of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus was not just a good man. Jesus was not just a religious man. Jesus was not just a healer, a miracle worker. He was Emmanuel. He was God in the flesh. And when that first Christmas morning, Jesus left heaven and strapped on a human body and grew in perfection his entire life until the appointed time he fulfilled his mission as redeemer and rescuer and resurrector and died on a Roman cross for our sins. For our sins. A Savior, a Messiah, a Lord is born to you in the city of David. And, and I love these words. This is one time I love the Holman Christian standard. Born for you. You know, somebody's sitting here today going, you know, Dwayne, I don't think anybody cares. I don't think God cares. I ain't heard from God. God doesn't care. Ah, wait just a minute. If God doesn't care, why would he plan the first Christmas? It didn't start like, like on December. Well, first off, you know, you understand Jesus probably wasn't born in December anyway, but we won't go there. But you understand it didn't start even there. You know, John said, Behold the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world. Before there was a world, before there was a sinner, before there was an Adam, before there was an Eve, before there was a you. God had a plan to rescue you, to resurrect you, to redeem you. And if God didn't care, why would He do all that? Why would He do this? If God doesn't care... And this is all history. I mean, go home and Google it. There was a Roman cross and there was a man named Jesus, the God-man, who was perfect and died on that cross because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amazing. Amazing. So, so the Bible goes on and says, verse number 12, there's going to be a sign for you. I don't want to miss this. Uh, they, he assumed that they were going to act. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Well, you already heard it was a baby because the baby was born. And back in those days, they did the swaddling thing, which is coming back, by the way, with young mothers and popularity. So those things were common. But just so they wouldn't get the wrong baby, <laughs> just so they wouldn't miss it, There's one little detail you need to remember. When you find this Savior, when you find this Messiah, when you find the Lord in Bethlehem, you'll find Him in a feeding trough. How strange is that? Part of that reason is so the shepherds wouldn't miss it. See, you know why God orchestrated this service today for you? So you wouldn't miss it. If you're here today and, and you don't know about God, you don't know about Jesus, and you've already heard enough gospel truth to change your life completely and radically forever. Why did God orchestrate Matt? Why did God orchestrate Emma? Why did God orchestrate Dave? Why did God orchestrate Jenny? Why did God orchestrate the songs we chose? Because He cares. And He put it together for you that you could hear the truth that God is not in heaven waiting to kill you and punish you. And you said it, brother. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes Him should not perish, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, you know, reality is that, you know, things have got to happen. Well, they break into this 
this multitude, and we won't take time, but write down Revelation chapter 5, I think it's verse number 11 and 12, where the Bible says then, looking forward, how there was ten thousands of ten thousands of angels. So all of a sudden it goes from one angel to what the Bible says a multitude of the heavenly hosts. Thousands and thousands and thousands proclaiming the glory of God. You know why? How many of you are old enough to study, not be there, D-Day? D-Day was all about setting Europe free from the tyranny of Hitler. D-Day was all about rescue. D-Day was all about redemption. June 6, 1944, men and women died on the beaches of Omaha so that people in Europe could be free. The reason the angels broke into the chorus was it was D-Day. What had been planned before the foundations of the world became fact. A baby was born. It was God in the flesh. And He came to set people free. Do you understand? Are you starting to see why he's the hope? Why religion's not? Why church isn't? Why good works isn't? Those are bondage things. They don't work. He came to set people free. So they burst into this large chorus. Glory to God in highest and peace on earth. You go, whoa, whoa, whoa. There is no peace. He wasn't talking about wars. Well, actually he was. (laughs) He's talking about one war. It's between Satan and God, light and darkness. And that peace on earth is the peace with God that you can have through Jesus Christ. You can have peace in a very troubled world through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Again, religion can't do it, and baptism can't do it, and good works can't do it, but God did it. And you can have that peace if you'll trust in Jesus Christ. And he goes on and says, and it's on these people he favors, on people where he extends his grace. Remember the definition of grace? God's unmerited favor. Uh-huh. It's peace with God through his grace. Peace with God through his grace. Well, the angels had to go home. The Bible says in verse 15, and the angels had left them and returned to heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go. I reckon. Let's go. Faith. Isn't that how we're saved? Isn't that how they were? Faith. Let's go. They could have said, don't believe it. Bad pizza. <laughs> went, went to Bradford's last night and had some crazy food. No. They believed it. Let's go. Let's go. And that, notice the verbiage. Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see. Not let's see if it's true. Let's see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They believed. And here's the crazy part. There is no giant scale. There is no keeping of the rules for salvation. I love the fact that the Bible says that Abraham believed God and God counted it as righteousness. For God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting. I had a chance to share the gospel with a gentleman and explain to him about how there was no giant scale. How it was believing what God said about him, that we have sinned, we're those shepherds, we're those broken people, and what God said about Jesus, that he's the Savior, the Redeemer of the world. 
And if we're willing to turn from our way and turn to follow Christ, turning from our sin, we can have eternal life. That's the message of Christmas. And that's the message for this broken world. And that's the message of peace in this broken world. Well, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the babe who were lying in the feeding trough. Remember the detail. Just like it was confirmation. See, the angels were right. And after seeing them, watch this. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to They experienced it themselves. They acted on faith. And what did they do? They went to tell. And it's funny because ordinarily they wouldn't be heard, but it was so amazing. They saw it with such passion, and the reality was so real that people believed a bunch of shepherds off the hillside. You know what? Satan will tell you, Bill, that no one will believe you about Jesus. You know? Uh, my, no one will believe you when you talk about Jesus. You know, easily could have spoken to your son, Matt. Matt, don't waste your life. Stay here. No one in that part of the world is going to believe about Jesus. It's the greatest lie of hell. People want to hear about Jesus. They won't hear about your religion. They won't care about your rules. But they want to hear about Jesus. Because there is nothing like Jesus anywhere. Again, of all the religions in the world, grace is exclusive to Christianity. Everybody else has rules. Everybody has giant scales. Everybody says, hope so, maybe. But only Christ offers surety through grace. Isn't that amazing? They went and they told. Sometimes that means praying. Sometimes that means giving. And sometimes that means going. But it means We are tellers. We are tellers. We are witnesses of the good news. Christ died for the world. Amen. You know, another song, you know, is go tell on the mountain. Let me just read these verses real quick to you. While shepherds kept their their watching over silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens there shone a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountains that Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds feared and trembled. When low above the earth rang out the angel chorus that held our Savior's birth. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Yes, down in a lowly manger, our humble Christ was born. And God sent us salvation that blessed Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountains. Over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountains that Jesus Christ is born. And that's what today was about. From the very first song to the very last word, that's what it's about. So if you're here today, and you've never experienced God's amazing grace. Not talking about church. Not talking about being a Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian. I'm talking about if you've never experienced God's grace. If you've never reached a point where you understood, I'm broken. I'm like those shepherds. Dwayne, you made a point. I'm good. I know I'm broken. I can't fix me. 
There's no way I can fix me. I need a fixer. I need a rescuer. I need a redeemer. I need a resurrector. I'm dead. I'm drowning. I'm in bondage. I need a Savior. If you've never come to that point, maybe today is that day. Maybe it finally made sense. It clicked. Maybe today be the day you come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is who He said He was. The Son of God. The Redeemer. That the first Christmas, God became flesh. And on the last tree over here, He became our sacrifice. And maybe today, just like Christmas was Jesus' birthday, maybe today can be your birthday. You can be born again into the kingdom of God. I'll be standing down front in just a minute. I would love to share with you about how you can know Jesus Christ. I promise you not to try to make you a Baptist, you know, not to try to make you a rule keeper, but let you experience God's amazing, wonderful grace and how you can be forgiven and become the relationship with the creator God of the universe. And if you're here today, I know there's a bunch of Jesus followers here, and that's awesome. Your two points, your two bottom lines are easy. One, don't ever forget how broken you were. Don't ever forget how broken you are because when you forget what God did for you, you will never be used greatly of God. You never will. And then, leave here with the idea, the big idea, the bottom line. I'm a teller. I'm a witness. Whether it's at high school or whether it's at the bank or whether it's at the mall, or whether it's in Africa, or Nicaragua, or maybe it's in the barn up when Miss Mercy Corner's running, wherever it is, whether it's Judgment House or back to school. I'm a teller. I'm a giver. I want to have part in Lottie Moon. I want to have part in what takes place. I am a prayer. Matt will tell you missionaries appreciate your dollars but they covet and desire your prayers, your prayers. So I pray you'll leave with those two bottom lines. And we'll have counselors down here. And if there's anything we can do, anything we can do with what you've heard today, we would love to share with you, pray with you, help you. If there's a decision you need to make about church membership or whatever, we're here for you. Just like the Bible said that the Savior came, there's a Savior born for you, for you this time is for you. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you so very much for this very high privilege that's ours to be in your house today. Thank you for the privilege of allowing me to share this wonderful truth. This wonderful truth. God, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for orchestrating this service. You do all things well, and you do. Now, Holy Spirit, we need to ask you one more thing. Again, acting on behalf of the Father, would you draw people to yourself? Perhaps there's a man or a woman or a child here today who understands now that they are broken and they can't fix themselves. They are drowning and they need a rescuer. They understand that they are separated from you, that is, they are spiritually dead and they need a resurrector. A resurrector. Would you draw them to yourself? And for all my brothers and sisters and friends this morning who we share in the body of Christ, oh God, help us to be tellers. Help us to be givers. Help us to be prayers that the gospel may go throughout this world. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.